Joining us here in the studio for the news briefing, uh, pleased to have An Yu-jung back. Good morning. Good morning, Henry. All right, Yu-jung, we are going to begin with uh, the updates that I uh, was alluding to uh, in the opening in regards to some of the relaxations. However, for Seoul, as we say, uh, still a a very serious situation here. Um, Before we get into the uh, new social distancing measures, then let's talk about the specifics. And once again, the numbers uh, reflected over the weekend during the holidays, uh, probably some have uh, accommodations uh, put in mind in terms of the reduced number of tests, but uh, overall fairly promising numbers, right? Yes, that's right. So the country reported 326 cases as of yesterday, bringing the total caseload to 83,525. This is the second day in a row infections have been in the 300 range. However, as you've mentioned, authorities are warning against becoming too lenient as the number could be a result of fewer tests conducted over the lunar Lunar New Year holiday. The metropolitan area accounted for 243 of the cases, Seoul with 147, Gyeonggi 77, and Incheon 19. Now, we uh, were talking about how Seoul is still at a uh, rate where people uh, feel you can't relax your guard yet. The rest of the country, though, again, they might be feeling a little bit frustrated, and I think it's sort of similar to how we as a nation felt when we had the uh, Shincheonji outbreak in Daegu mm-hmm. and we're all, oh my gosh, because of the situation mm-hmm. in Daegu, we're all uh, suffering. Uh, I feel like the rest of the country feels that way about Seoul. Now, the relaxation of social distancing regulations um, for the rest of the country is one thing, but there are also some tweaks as to what you can do here in Seoul as well. Could you give us the updates? Yes, that's right. So the Korean government has decided to relax the social distancing measures to level two in the metropolitan area. As of today, businesses in the Seoul metropolitan area are allowed to operate until 10 p.m., which is an hour later than the previous 9 p.m. measure. What stays is the five-person maximum capacity for social gatherings. If your immediate family has more than five members, which is quite rare, rare in Korea, but it'll still be allowed. Right. So as we know, lower birth rates, uh, people not having as many kids. So uh, generally, four seems to be the average or the, mm-hmm. the max. And you don't really get more than five anyways for a nuclear family all registered in one residence. Meaning you might be the same family members, but if it's more than five and you're registered in different addresses, that kind of gathering can't be allowed, even if it's your brother, but Mm -hmm. they happen to have a different uh, registration. That being said, there is still that cap on the gathering of four, and that is going to remain, it looks like indefinitely um, right now until we see some significant decreases in the new infections. What, What are the main reasons for keeping that cap on the number of people? So Seoul explains that it's to prevent infection outside of the family and friends, but this may also be relaxed or strengthened after the 28th. If only siblings gathered, it cannot exceed a party of four. Another exception to the five-party rule is the gathering uh, for possible passing away of family members or related rituals. Okay, yeah. The, I think calculation is, and I think we talked about this last week as well, is that There is going to be a set percentage of people no matter what, and it's unfortunate, but they are going to not follow the social Mm -hmm. distancing scheme. So we already saw during Seoul, I think it's anecdotal for a lot of us around that pretty sizable percentage of people decided to still gather in Mm -hmm. families uh, Mm -hmm. during the Seoul holidays. And I think the government keeps that in mind that unfortunately there is a percentage, and you hope it's not too high, but there is a percentage of people that just simply won't 
abide by the gathering of four or more. But if you keep that restriction in place, the the good-natured, civic-minded people who do keep that um, restriction and obey those guidelines uh, actually causes um, an overall beneficial effect to trying to keep the Mm -hmm. numbers down. And I think that's what they calculate, that at this current situation, we still need to keep that in place, mindful that not everyone follows it. At the same time, some of our listeners uh, are in the educational field, um, so they work in these so-called cram schools, or as we know, uh, hagwons. Mm-hmm. How would this uh, relaxation affect them? That's a great question. Now, because private lessons are not considered social gatherings, the hagwons or cram schools can operate as long as they observe the one person per eight square meter restriction. If not, meaning that if they choose to to follow the one person per four square meter or only have one seat in between the students, they will only be allowed to operate until 10 p.m. Right. So on the one hand, you you see that um, if you're going to be closer quarters, you're going to have to um, suffer the penalty, I suppose, Mm -hmm. of only being able to keep open until 10 p.m., but also realizing that there's a higher risk of infection just because you're going to be closer quarters. But I think the other thing is it's a real kind of strong indictment on the competitive nature of Korea society where you have (laughs) hot ones and the the instinctive nature is you got to keep them open past 10 p.m., meaning these poor students are all expected to be uh, regularly (laughs) studying past uh, 10 p.m. anyways, but maybe getting a bit of a relief um, because of COVID, but also Mm -hmm. maybe stressed out, especially their parents about them falling behind in terms of competition. Okay, moving away from the uh, epidemic aspects of this, let's talk about the um, uh, relief funds. Uh, There is a plan for a new batch of stimulus packages underway. That was announced as well recently. Tell us about that, please. That's right. So the ruling Democratic Party announced yesterday that the fourth round of emergency relief funds will be targeted to those that have been hard hit by the economy. by the COVID-19 pandemic, meaning the small and self-owned businesses. They announced that they will hand out the fourth round of funds before April. And once the COVID-19 infections come under control, they're thinking of distributing a fifth round of funds to the entire population, Mm -hmm. much like the very first um, emergency fund. At the beginning of the month, ruling DP chief Lee Nagyeon had expressed the party's plans for both a selective and universal handout. However, with the numbers stubbornly hovering around the 300s and 400s range, the government and the Blue House decided against a universal handout. So the fourth round of emergency relief funds is to be similar to the 9.3 trillion won worth of the third round of funds, with the largest compensation estimated to be around 3 million won. However, it's likely that the target population of the payment will be expanded. Hmm. So as of right now, businesses have a requirement they have to meet in terms of the total sales revenue and the number of employees they have in order to receive the funds. For example, restaurants' yearly sales cannot exceed 1 billion won, and they have to have less than five employees. So even if they had to close their doors due to the level 2.5 social distancing regulations, they are still not eligible if they've had more than five employees. Thus, the ruling party is seeking to alleviate the five-employee requisite and seek out other measures to make sure that there are no businesses left behind. Yeah, and I think everyone knows, because they've been uh, following the story, if they listen to this program or other news programs, is that uh, fundamentally the government and the ruling party are supposed to be on the same team, Mm -hmm. right? And so they uh, come up and cooperate with policies together. Sometimes there are disagreements on the policy, and in this case, there's always been this tug-of-war with the government and the cabinet ministers and the bureaucrats in place who, although 
maybe philosophically agree with many of things with the ruling party, they do have the responsibility of governing and the harsh realities that come with all the budgetary mm-hmm. um, concerns and, and falling into deficits. And so we've seen um, Hong Nam-gi, the finance minister, stubbornly resist almost any type of move towards any universal payouts. The ruling party, on the one hand, they might understand the situation that the government's in, but mm-hmm. they're in the business of winning elections. And <laughs> to win elections, you need to get votes. And to them, the calculation is they need to be a bit more generous with these handouts. So the idea that Uh, They had decided at the end to uh, have targeted payouts rather than universal. Probably a disappointment to many of the ruling party members, as well as the advocates of the uh, Lee Jae-myung push, which has Mm -hmm. been sort of trying to use the COVID-19 situation not only to give help to people, but also at the same time long-term to put into an infrastructure of where UBI, or universal basic income, could be actually just a normal part of government policy, uh, which... Certainly would be a radical departure of how normally you think of things, but you have this guaranteed, let's say, income of 500,000 won a month or a million won a month, and everyone just gets that regardless if they're working Mm -hmm. or not, and um, the the philosophical uh, expected benefits from all of that. So as of now, it does look like it's going to be targeted. They had tried to push it, I think, uh, a a few months ago by the halal holidays, and Mm -hmm. obviously they were not able to do so. So we're going to look at a March uh, range for doing this and ironing out the details, as you say, with the ruling party uh, trying to remove that loophole where... Some of these uh, small businesses, if you have an employee account of six, you're really just out of luck because Mm -hmm. you're not going to get any payout. So they're trying to accommodate that as well. So some disagreements there, but also interestingly, uh, Yoo Jung, it does look like there are some disagreements as far as what's going on with public sentiment between the ruling party leadership. Uh, can you tell us more, please? That's right. So the ruling DP floor leader Kim Taehyun expressed that the people wanted a better economy and livelihood after a long year of fatigue resulting from the pandemic. Kim said that the vaccination set to start on the 26th will serve as a light at the end of the tunnel and a turning point for the people and that the National Assembly must start preparing for an economic recovery for the people. He also stressed that he will push forward with the fourth round of emergency relief funds and look at every open opportunity to a supplementary budget. Ruling DP Chief Lee na also echoed the same rhetoric, saying that the party will try its best to finalize detailed plans for the emergency relief funds and submit a budget plan to the National Assembly in March. He stressed that he will make sure the funds are wide and thick. Now, he further explained that wide means they will try to help as many businesses as possible with no blind spots, and that thick refers to their will to come up with a plan that will prove to be the most effective to those actually suffering in the field. However, it was a completely different take on the other side. Main opposition PPP interim chief Kim Jong-in expressed that a turnaround from the Moon Jae-in government was the dominant sentiment over the holidays and that this pained his heart as the current head of the biggest opposition party. He relayed that the people were disappointed in how the current government has been responding to the support they've been receiving over the last four years, saying that they have done nothing better than the previous administrations. Some have apparently gone as far to say that everything the administration is doing has been anticlimactic. He commented that the government's failure to deal with the skyrocketing housing prices in the nation has crushed the hopes and dreams of ordinary citizens and that people are worried that the country is reaching an extreme level of polarization. 
PPP floor leader Chu Ho-young also posted on his Facebook, saying that when he met with his local residents, he felt the desperation in their voices, as some of them have even started to give up hope for the future and the frustration that they will have to live with masks for another year or so, as COVID-19 is showing no clear signs of letting up anytime soon. Probably pretty expected responses. So the ruling party, uh, of course, representative of uh, the government and and the interest in kind of maintaining the status quo is going to say, look, we're turning the corner. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things are going to be better in 2021. Uh, We're going to have some economic relief underway. We're going to get through the pandemic. And um, you you guys should be cheered and and think that things uh, will improve and be optimistic. Whereas, of of course, the opposition is going to say, oh, my gosh, this is doom and gloom and we're Mm -hmm. horrible. And there's been a lot of mismanagement and um, we are in big trouble. So basically, you guys need to support us Mm -hmm. to be able to um, uh, make some positive changes. Uh, The only interesting thing here is is you kind of notice where um, you have these very somber or serious policy statements or phrases that are coming out in Korean, and they're very serious. But when you translate them to English, uh, they they kind of have weird different connotations because wide and thick, kind of when you say that in the English context, Mm -hmm. the memes just kind of write themselves, right? Because um, whether you're talking about policy or anything else, it's just going to describe something else that's Mm -hmm. that's a little bit uh, different. We're going to talk more during the Radio Salon segment at the end of our program about public sentiment and how that's shifting uh, among the public, and especially because we've got these big by-elections underway, Yu Jung. Mm-hmm. So let's get an update on that, uh, especially the race for the sole mayoralship. The, um, the, I guess, big drama is going to start this week, some people expect, because we're going to have a series of debates. Could mm-hmm. you tell us more? Yes. Yeah, so the ruling DP candidates Park Young-sun and Woo Sang-ho are set to have TV debates on NBC and Yonhap News TV today and Wednesday, respectively. While the former SMEs and startups minister Park is leading the polls as of now, uh, candidate Wu's campaign is expecting to overturn the poll through displaying his platforms through the TV debates. Regarding his controversial remarks on succeeding former, now late, Seoul Mayor Park Won-soon's policy, Wu said that he was just um, offering his comforts to the deceased families. The main opposition PPP candidates are also set to have their own debates, which will be conducted on a one-on-one basis for 90 minutes each. The four candidates, including Na Kyung-won, Oh Se-hun, Oh Shin-hwan, and Cho Eun-hee, will have their joint debate on the 26th, and the PPT, PPP will announce it will reveal each candidate's score from the 1,000 Citizen Committee after their one-on-one debate. Now, meanwhile, An Chul-soo and Kim Tae-sop, who agreed on consolidation of the so-called third zone, reportedly had a small dispute on the matter of TV debates. They were expected to have their first TV debate today originally, but this was canceled due to different positions from the two campaigns. Well, people who've uh, had a long uh, observation of An Chul-soo as a political figure, probably not surprised that there's going to be some quibbling of mm-hmm. details and debates on, or, or any kind of agreement that has to come up uh, between uh, competing parties. So these are going to be instructive debates. Everyone is going to be interested to see if there are any game changers or any changes to the dynamic because uh, up till now, through the past couple of weeks, it looks like it's shaping up to be a Park Young-sun versus Na Kyung-won versus An Chul-soo mm-hmm. and whether An Chul-soo and Na Kyung-won will be able to consolidate because those are the front runners right now. But as you say, maybe something uh, dramatic happens where Usang becomes a bit more competitive or uh, someone on the 
opposition side like Oh Shin Hwan or Oh Se Hoon or uh, Cho Eun Hee uh, make some kind of noise that uh, could threaten uh, Na Gyeong Won's position. But right now, um, pretty stable, and it does look like uh, a cons- consolidation will have to occur because Park Young Sun in a three ray race. Um, does look like she's going to be mm-hmm. uh, winning the plurality of votes. And then if it's consolidated on the opposition side, uh, a much more competitive race with maybe even the opposition having a bit of an advantage. One of the big issues, and we always talk about this in association with the Seoul uh, mayoral race or anything with politics in Seoul, is the dissatisfaction with real estate. And more, um, I suppose, not positive news here, monthly rents, Walse and Chunse, uh, the lump sum uh, rental prices increased And this is despite the new tenant production laws that were uh, in effect uh, this year. That's right. So according to the data released yesterday by Seoul Metropolitan Government's Real Estate Information Plaza, or 서울 부동산 정보광장, about 76,000 cases of rent contracts for apartments in Seoul were signed from August last year to January of 2021. This was after the revised tenant protection law, or the 임대차 산법. Now, among these cases, 반전세, or monthly rent contracts, with high-level deposits were about 25,000, which makes up uh, up to 33% of the total transactions. This is 4.7% more than the last six months before the revised laws took effect. Such increase of 반전세 was most seen from Seoul's Gangnam, Songpa, and Seocho districts, as um, where the high-priced rents were concentrated. Experts expected that the trend of increasing 반전세 will continue with the revised tenant protection laws, since the lease terms actually increased to four years and the amount of increase in the deposits are limited due to the revised laws. Right. Uh, I remember when I was um, before getting married and, and being single that uh, 반전세 was actually the, the more attractive option, especially if you didn't have a lot of money, like mm-hmm. a big lump sum. And so uh, if you couldn't afford the, the 전세 type of places, especially if you're single, uh, that uh, if you had a fairly sizable deposit and then pay a very kind of nominal amount a month, it was a good compromise between a pure 월세 situation where mm-hmm. you have a very small deposit, but you're paying like excess of millions of won right, every month. Uh, per month. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the most favored um, situation being Chunza, but you need that key money, and not everybody has it. And of course, the landlords also need to want to feel that uh, it's worth their while mm-hmm. to have Chunza because the interest rates have to be high enough to keep it yeah. in there, and then whether they can uh, invest it in other means. But as you say, with this uh, change in the market, a lot of people now uh, thinking that Panjunsa is ra- right now the most feasible option, maybe not the most desirable option, mm-hmm. but, but because of the limits to the amount of deposits and how you can have a very extended locked-in period for that uh, type of transaction that that, that's unfortunately how it's looking, but it does look like those uh, prices are continuing to go up. Um, a lot of changes also in the financial landscape as well. A lot of um, the, the cryptocurrency boom and a lot of people wanting to get into it, especially with Bitcoin. Another sign of the times, America's oldest bank, BNY Mellon, announced that they're going to hold Bitcoin for their clients and other authorities also considering virtual currencies as part of their uh, assets. Yes, so on Thursday local time, Bank of New York Mellon, the oldest bank in the U.S., said that it will now be accepting, holding, and issuing Bitcoin for its clients. On top of that, there are significant moves towards these virtual currencies from the legacy banks. Canadian Financial Authority, the Ontario Securities Commission, has approved the launch of Bitcoin-listed index fund, ETF, for asset management purpose investment. Morgan Stanley is also considering adding Bitcoin as an investment target. Wall Street Journal pointed out that Morgan Stanley's decision is even more noticeable since they were very skeptical about virtual currencies just three years ago. 
Now, however, skepticism, skepticism towards Bitcoin is also rising, especially about its volatility. According to the virtual currency news agency Coindesk, Bitcoin was traded at $29,000 level earlier this year, but it is currently being traded at the $48,000 level, recording an increase of about 65%. Tim Lane, a deputy governor from the Bank of Canada, said the recent surge in cryptocurrency seems like a speculative enthusiasm, but that it's enough to make prices soar with a single tweet, alluding to Tesla CEO Elon Musk's mentioning of Bitcoin and Dogecoin. Well, uh, certainly uh, thank you for those updates. Yu Jung, we appreciate all the uh, double duties and hard work and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.